0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Walk of Shame. It's your man Ant Walker here to talk about UFC 240 that just wrapped. See, the um, little recap on the broadcast is going now. Uh, I delayed it for just a second because I wanted to see what the um, Alexander Volkanovsky interview was going to be like. Nothing too special there, so um, sorry. I wasted a little bit of your time. Uh, But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and um, start talking about what we just saw. Of course, at the worst possible time, I get some alert to uh, change the uh, settings on my f- computer. But anyway, I'll skip that. All right. So let's talk uh, talk about that main event we just saw. Max Holloway wins a unanimous decision over Frankie Edgar. Uh, two judges scored it 50-45. One judge scored it uh, 49-46. I scored it for, uh, 50-45. I, you know i thought um it was kind of conflicted initially when the fight began i mean i know max holloway isn't always known for having the fastest starts but i almost was afraid he was a big gunshot when it started out and you know looks like he probably was just uh as as my homie mike sloan uh, of sure dog uh said in the slack chat he probably was just trying to get a handle on frankie's uh movement as of course his movement is is uh some of the best out there so i really um I really wasn't sure, and maybe it was was a little mental block for myself, worried about what uh, the lasting damage of the Dustin Poirier fight could be. I mean, that fight was just in April. It wasn't that long ago that we were looking at a bloody mess of of Max Holloway, and he endured a ton of damage. So I was a bit afraid of that having a lingering effect, so that probably was more weighing on my mind than anything else. But uh, that first round, I could see you scoring it for Frankie. I almost did. Uh, what, what made me score it for Max though was that, uh, one, Max landed those, a uh, couple of really powerful uppercuts that rocked Edgar's head back. And while Edgar did land some good stuff here and there, I don't think most of his shots landed. I think most of his shots glanced off the shoulder. I think, um, Holloway rolled with a lot of them, uh, pretty effectively. So it was difficult for me, uh, based on that to say, okay, Frankie deserves this, um, this this first round and then that's when the Max Holloway avalanche really started and we know when he he starts moving he doesn't really stop and he just he just keeps plowing all along and keeps plowing along and keeps plowing along and then next thing you know you're, you're inundated and he takes you out and he drowns you and he did that to an extent but not nearly to the extent that I thought he would I anticipated that this fight was going to be a lot like uh, Frankie Edgar, uh, excuse me, um, Max Holloway's fight against Brian Ortega, where it starts getting ugly, where we start having genuine concerns about the man taking the punishment in the cage. And you start looking at a corner stoppage or some something of, of that nature. That's really what I thought was going to happen tonight. And uh, credit to Frankie Edgar for not uh, falling into that trap, of course, from a skill set. Uh, that skill set perspective, that does make a lot of sense that that Frankie wouldn't succumb to that because while Brian Ortega does have that, you know, that nice knockout of Frankie Edgar and he's greatly improved his, his striking game, that's not his basis. That's not what his bread and butter is. His bread and butter is getting it to the ground and getting you in some sort of wild submission. Uh, and then also he allows himself to uh, to get underwater and then pulls himself out and you just can't really do that with with max holloway so frank yeager being uh, a guy who's better on the feet a guy who has better footwork and movement and has some serious blinding speed i i think I, I think that's what saved him and of course you know he has a wrestling base and he he did struggle to get some takedowns but he managed to, to get a few here and there uh so i mean obviously what's next for max holloway is alexander uh that is the the obvious next move it's just a matter of can that happen i mean that was pretty much the subject of the volkanovsky interview was that uh we can we see if if um max is up for that october 5th fight in australia that would be a huge card that if he can make that date he should try his best because that paycheck will be lovely those pay-per-view points should be lovely the atmosphere in that in that arena uh, excuse me stadium should be lovely uh if you're max Holloway, and you're healthy i don't anticipate him not accepting that fight but of course we got to see what happens with his medicals here uh see if there's any injuries after the fight see when the adrenaline wears off and, and what he wants to do but that that is the obvious next step but all right so let's let's just go ahead and talk a little bit about the um the fight itself that we just saw round by round all right. So as I said, the, the the slow start for Edgar, but I mean for, for Max, but he edged it. Uh he edged that round ten nine. Uh and then the second round he picks it up. Third round, Frankie finally gets that takedown that he was that he was desperately seeking. But it was after him getting hurt pretty badly. Like he he got pretty tuned up, um, lost his mouthpiece even, and you know, in my opinion, should have lost that round. I, you know, and, and we'll talk about uh, the commentary in particular. Joe Rogan tonight was, I thought, was pretty bad in this fight. Uh, there were stretches where it was pretty bad. Like this, this third round um, where he was insisting that this was a hard round to score because Frankie got a takedown toward the end. Like, come on now. Frankie got pieced up that entire round, got a takedown at the end, and barely did anything while he was on the ground. That wasn't hard to score at all there was no controversy behind that anybody who scores that for frankie edgar really needs to do a, a serious examination over uh their scoring criteria for mixed martial arts and perhaps check it up against the the actual unified rules i i don't think there's any way you could score that that third round for frankie edgar um Fourth round, you know, Frankie did land some shots, but Max was having much more of an effect with his shots. I mean, this this was almost, in a way, it was kind of like um, an opposite of the Dustin Poirier fight. In the Dustin Poirier fight, Max was landing a lot of volume, um, and he he was touching Poirier, but every time Poirier touched Holloway, he moved him back. And that's kind of what we saw this, this time, except Max Holloway was the one doing the major damage, and he was the one turning Frankie Edgar back. With, with with the shots that he landed and the fifth round was kind of more of the same fifth round was kind of max selling into okay i'm i'm taking this fight home didn't turn down the offense though which i think is commendable in his part he kept kept the volume up kept the pressure going and um frankie had to uh had to eat some shots in the meantime as a result Not a homie cole shelton uh the the resident judas of sherdog.com in the chat as well Uh, asking, so if Cyborg does leave for Bellator and Nunes saying she wants to defend Featherweight title, who would be next? Not GDR. She told me she'll never go back to 145 even for a title. Well, Cole, um, very good transition there because the next fight to talk about is Cyborg versus uh, Felicia Spencer. So everybody, if you are in the chat and you want to talk more Holloway, Frankie, you let me know. Um, If you want to talk about any other particular fights in the card, you let me know and we will get to it. But let's go ahead and talk about uh, Cyborg versus Spencer. And Cole, I will address your question uh, shortly after, just kind of recapping my overall thoughts on the fight. So getting back to Joe Rogan and the commentary, this was atrocious commentary by Joe Rogan. And I am I am a, typically a big fan of his commentary. I like his commentary, I like his energy. He is obviously extremely knowledgeable being a martial arts expert. Uh, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to fights and it comes to technique. But this one, I think he missed the boat big time. He missed the boat big time. Um, Cyborg dominated Felicia Spencer. And there's not really much other way to interpret this. Uh, I scored this fight 30-26 uh for Cyborg. If I'm not mistaken, I think all three judges scored at 3027. Um, cyborg was beating the hell out of felicia spencer and there's no ifs ands or buts about that yes cyborg was breathing hard sometimes yes she did get tired a little bit and have to recompose herself but she was tired as a result of mercilessly beating the person in front of her and throwing full power into every shot she had this was not poor gas tank this was not the result of her weight cut this was nothing of, of those things this was just her with a ridiculous power output that was non-stop this was her landing at will this was the equivalent of standing in front of a punching bag and going as hard as you possibly can for 15 minutes yes you will get a little tired you will breathe hard um i mean i i get what spencer was trying to do i mean it was really her only hope of of winning this fight was to uh get some clinches maybe drag it to the floor test those uh brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts against one another that was her best bet but you know it's hell to pay if you don't get that takedown it is hell to pay and felicia spencer paid she paid it tonight with extra left a tip also that was a beatdown she endured I give all the credit in the world to her for having such a remarkable chin, for having the resolve to just keep going because man, there are a lot of professional fighters in the world that would have decided to just stay down to take one of those hits and say, ah, I think I'm good fam. I think I'm good. And they wouldn't be wrong for it either because that was a hellacious beat down that she endured. Um, I, I was, I was stunned at how grossly, um, rogan was overselling everything that spencer did yeah she got a couple of clinches stole the action for a little bit did she do any damage in there no yeah she landed a few punches here and there did it did it slow cyborg down in any way shape or form no did cyborg even react to a lot of it no with the exception of that elbow in the first round that cut her forehead there really wasn't much reaction from Cyborg for anything that that Spencer did. Um, so how anyone, especially someone as knowledgeable as Joe Rogan, would be uh, confused about that? I don't. I don't know. I don't understand it. But I mean, I think we're all entitled to bad nights. God knows how many fights Joe Rogan has called. How much time he spends in front of a microphone between the UFC, boot, stand-up comedy and his podcast. You're going to have off days. You know, I'm no Joe Rogan uh, as a podcaster or a, or a, a commentator. I've only done one play by play gig. And um, yeah, but I know I have bad days sometimes in front of this microphone. So what happens? It's not the worst thing in the world, but tonight it was pretty bad. It it was pretty damn bad. All right, Cole. So let's let's uh, I'm gonna address your question here about. Uh, cyborg leaving for bellator and um who does nunez defend that title against um i do think cyborg does leave for bellator that's something that i that that i am firmly believing she is going to go to bellator i think for several reasons one obviously the uh, good relationship she's maintained with scott coker scott coker made her a star originally let's let's remember that Let's remember when we first heard and really understood who Chris Cyborg was, was, you know, Scott Coker wasn't too far away from that, was he? Well, what, Elite XC? I uh, know he wasn't in charge of that, but did a lot of co-promotion with Elite XC. And then Strike Force, of course, made her a, a bona fide star. Um, it just makes all the sense in the world on that level for her to want to go there, especially where when she has these back and forth with Dana White that... At this point, it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, She's made the UFC a lot of money. UFC's made her a lot of money. You know. Get over it. You know, everybody get over their their shit and make it work. But um, I I do think that some of those some of those wounds just didn't heal quite as well. I mean, just as recently as the last couple of weeks. uh, Dana White was making it very clear that. That cyborg didn't want the rematch with Amanda Nunes, and she she's not hungry for it, and all this other stuff. Where when we know, okay, this is just a play for money, this is a play for negotiation, this is to try to get PR um, against like uh, get get the public opinion against cyborg. We we could tell this, but cyborg is so in control of her own brand that I, I don't think anybody sincerely bought that. And she does an excellent job of addressing fans and making her her face known, especially here in Southern California. Um, I've seen her plenty of events that that weren't UFC necessarily or just around. And she's always about her brand. I've got every time I've run into her or uh, her camp or whatever, I keep getting these damn uh, cyborg laptop stickers. So I got like a stack of them (laughs) in my bedroom now. They're just sitting there. Um, Yeah. So she's always on a campaign. So for that, that that reason makes sense for her to go to Bellator. Also, the sponsorships. Do you know how much money Cyborg could make with her own sponsors on the trunks and not settling for, you know, a 40k reebok payoff per event? Um, and I'm I'm not even sure if that's I guess that's what her payoff would be now. I don't know if if that's different now that she's not champion. But I mean, come on now. She could stand to make a lot of money in Bellator, um, a whole lot of money in Bellator without having the personality clashes that she has clearly with the UFC. And then also there's a new group of women for her to beat up on <laughs> to, to round out her career. Julia Budd being one of the the uh, marquee names in women's mixed martial arts that she has not fought. Uh, so it makes sense that she goes there to take on Julia Budd and, you know, smash another field of, of uh, women at featherweight until she calls it a career in the near future makes a lot of sense to me uh but what i think happens with uh with the um featherweight title for the women in the ufc um i'm i'm in agreement with rob iman in the chat here i think it goes away i've been saying this for a while man i thought when amanda Nunes knocked out cyborg i thought that was the beginning of the end of the women's featherweight division and then to have in the same night the weird um uh toe eye poke from uh megan anderson on cat zingano i think that just sealed the deal right there too that that was just another uh, another thing that said okay this division probably is not going to stick around and then you say you have megan anderson um get get stomped by felicia spencer and then for felicia spencer to have such a bad night like if she if she came away with the winning this obviously there's no doubt about her fighting nunez next that would just make all the sense in the world, but that's not gonna be the case now. I don't think there are too many people clamoring to see that fight. Even though uh she showed herself able to take a hell of a shot, even though she's shown herself to have such an incredible granite chin and a will to keep competing. I don't think anybody really wants to see Nunes beat her like that. Um, because here here's where what that looks like, in my humble opinion. My humble opinion, I think Nunez gets the finish in that because this was more berserker rage cyborg. This was pre-Jason Perillo cyborg that we saw here tonight. And I know Jason Perillo was in her corner, but this was what she used to fight like before uh, Perillo took over her coaching. Uh, Under Perillo, she she's shown a lot more patience. She's shown herself to be a lot more measured. Uh, she's shown herself not to just go out there and just swing full power into every punch into every kick and, and and blitz someone to death um with within you know 45 seconds like that's not that's not the game that she fights under perillo but this looked like cyborg of old and I think that's the only reason why uh Spencer was able to survive uh yes of course that means that she's throwing more output she's got a lot more output that, that's coming her way and she's gotta uh cover up more and she's Going to take a few more shots and all that, but it also means the shot selection can get rather poor. It also means that when Spencer desperately needs the clinch, that means the clinch is there because Cyborg is rushing in, throwing those shots as opposed to hanging back, being patient, and selecting them carefully. Uh, So that I think is something that Nunes would not be doing. Nunes would be much more the tactician, much more the the patient uh, wait and see sort of approach and then pounce. She showed it against Holly Holm just a few weeks back. Um, I mean, she tried to show it against Ronda Rousey for for as long as that lasted. Amanda Nunes is very um, very careful about her shot selection. Um, so, yeah, that with with Nunes in front of Spencer, what happens is that uh, Nunes carefully picks those shots, but those shots put her down. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's how that goes. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you, Rob. The women's featherweight division is probably going to get shut down. If you don't have Megan Anderson as a viable contender, you know, the UFC was very high on her, uh, and she has not panned out to, to their expectations. Felicia Spencer just taking this beating that she just that she just received um, even if I uh, say if Kat Zagano was able to get the win over Megan Anderson or if you ran that back and then Zagano gets the win and then you could it's like you could say okay well uh, Zagano's the last person to beat Nunes but at that point at this point that that angle's kind of dried up I don't really think there's anything left at featherweight unless you want to blow up another bantamweight unless Ketlin Vieira decides that she wants to you know eat a couple cheeseburgers um you know and cole uh, mentioning here in the chat that you know he spoke with with uh jermaine Duran to me and she has no intention on going back to featherweight even for that title shot she'd rather take it at bantamweight apparently and i'm not mad at her about that so i say goodbye women's featherweight in the ufc uh cyborg will probably end up bellator next time you see her uh so let's see here uh i'll address rob i see you, uh talking a little holloway volkanovsky we'll, we'll go back to that but this card was not an easy one to get through uh attention span wise so we don't really have a whole lot to talk about but jeff price nico uh excuse me jeff neil nico price was one of the highlights of this card it was an insane fight and it came at the perfect time because This I'm pretty sure I wasn't in the arena, obviously, but I would be very surprised if that crowd wasn't getting very restless reading the uh, talk on Twitter, reading the uh, the talk on the the Sherdog Slack chat. It was pretty rough for a lot of people to get through this one. It was pretty rough. Um, And to have such a long stretch without uh, it wasn't it wasn't even just the fact that the uh that there were so many decisions it wasn't that it was the nature of the fights themselves a lot of clinching against the fence a lot of stalled positions you know a lot of just grinding fights that didn't really offer a lot aesthetically um so yeah jeff neal and nico price came at the right time yeah uh, jeff neal man uh, this, this this is a guy to watch i believe what the six wins in a row for him this is a guy to watch. If you are not watching Jeff Neal at this point, please get on board. This man is athletic as hell. He is uh, very technical. He has a high fight IQ. He reads the action in the cage so well. I, he's such a good striker. He you'd see some of his transitions on the ground tonight were spectacular. like Jeff Neal is the truth that is a guy who I have really high hopes for, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. So as far as the action itself in that fight, um, and Nico Price tried his best to make it a Nico Price fight, to make it some wild, crazy brawl that he just thrives in. And, and Nico, it seems to be one of those guys who's a bit of a knucklehead and got a screw loose, and he just likes to fight like that. It was, it was very interesting Uh, to see him try to force that fight on Jeff Neal. But but here is how good Jeff Neal is from a mental standpoint in this. He recognized that. He recognized that Price is going to try to force this brawl. And as he was initially trying to shut that down in the first round, and he did his best to keep it contained, he realized he was not really landing a whole lot. He realized he couldn't get any real combinations off uh, without, letting nico engage in that brawl and and having him stand still and just trade he approached the brawl with intelligence that is the mark of a very dangerous man whenever you have a fighter who is willing to brawl but does it with intelligence you are in front of a dangerous man i'm you know, I'm reminded of Justin Gaethje in that. Jason, Jason Gaethje is is one of those guys. Tony Ferguson's another one of those guys that will stand in front of you and be ready to brawl, but they do it in such a smart way. They do it in such a way to where it is it goes beyond a brawl. It becomes it just becomes high violence te- technically. You know, that, that's really what it is. Just high technical violence as opposed to just a pure out brawl. So he let Price get into that pure out brawl. So his chin would stand still long enough for him to land enough shots to put him down. Incredible work, incredible work by Jeff Neal. Uh, So Rob, who's always dropping, who should be next in in the chat. Always Rob, I appreciate that. Always keeps me on my toes uh, right there. Suggesting Jeff Neal versus Michael Chiesa. Man, that sounds like a fantastic fight. And, and like you said, that would be a great test of the grappling that Jeff Neal has to offer. Um, what I'm more curious about is not necessarily his grappling, but how his striking looks in the face of such grappling. That seems to be more the question mark uh, with a Jeff Neal-Michael Chiesa fight, but I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, also suggesting Nico Price take on James Vick for his welterweight debut. I'm not mad at that at all. I'm not mad at that at all. I think for James Vick too, that's a that's a good fight to make. Um, you've got a guy who will obviously engage you on the feet. Uh, also, a guy that you know you probably could knock out, uh, but it's also not so high on the ladder that it might be biting off a little bit more than you than you can chew. And for Nico, it's a good way to like um, reestablish his you know the hopes around him by knocking off a name such as james Vic, even if Vic is on rougher times as of late i do like the sound of that a lot so uh shout out to you rob that was that was a good call right there all right um uh olivier obon mercier versus arman uh surukian i mean yeah it a fight it was an okay fight um yeah i i think i think we can start letting go of the notion that oma or oam is going to be a um a big star for for canadian mma i know they were trying to sell that on the broadcast but everything about this fight says that's not the case yeah it was a um you know yeah he was canadian guy fighting in canada high up on the card uh but yeah and that, that could get the crowd behind a little bit but at the same time man he was on a two-fight losing streak and they put him up against a guy who is kind of one of the, um, one of the more interesting prospects out now who's extremely well-rounded. Like that's not a pairing that suggests that the UFC is really trying to build OAM. Um, as someone uh, brought up on the, uh, sure dog live chat, the trenches that I do every week with, with my man, Jason Burgos, uh, someone brought it up that that hey maybe this is just this is just a random booking by the ufc it was a guy a canadian guy he was available they threw him on a canadian card and there's nothing more to it and at this point it makes a lot of sense the ufc needs excuse me i'm so exhausted sorry the ufc get they need so many bodies on so many of these cards well we're in what what did they say on the broadcast it was like a nine week stretch of ufc events every week so at, at a pace like that you need bodies you need bodies okay and it's kind of rare too that the ufc even has the chance to uh appropriately book people as far as their hometowns are concerned so yeah oem is available he's canadian all right throw him on the card doesn't matter against who. just throw him on the card this if, if you are in the camp that uh O Olivier Mercier is the second coming of GSP or the the new uh hat to hang the, the Canadian MMA scene on. No. I'm sorry. That that ship has sailed. I I I can't buy that at this point. Not with this, not with a pairing like this. Not with the result like this. Um so yeah that that is what it is. Um mark Andre Boriut versus uh Christoph, uh Jutko. I I scored it 30 27 for Jutko. Uh the judges saw it uh, a split decision 29 28, two ways, 28 29 the other way. Um it, it was a close fight, but I don't I, I really it's really nothing nothing really we could say uh too incredible about this. I mean, Jutko fought a smart fight. He negated a lot of Berry's power. Uh, excuse me. Mm. and a lot of his boxing, uh, by kind of jamming him up and clenching him, and then he kind of kick him out at range. And it was either one or the other; he was either all the way in or all the way out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was a veteran performance by Janko. That's kind of what I expected. That's why I picked him. I, I thought he would win based on doing something like that. I, I, I seriously doubted doubted that the would go in there and just have a rock'em sock'em robots with, um. You know with 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 a, a, an up-and-comer like Barry you this didn't make any sense but but i think this the the um place that this was put on the card shows a lot about the strength of this card these guys are what fringe excuse me top 20 guys maybe top 15 maybe for jetco um you know let me pull up these rankings really quickly um let me see if, if Jutko is even in the uh the top 15. No, it's not even in the top 15. So you're talking about you're talking about top 20 guys or, or top 20 guy in Jutko. I, b- buried, I I wouldn't I probably wouldn't even put in the top 20, but you're talking about guys who don't have a number next to their name when the UFC is announcing them and they are on the pay-per-view main card, and this was the style matchup you kind of would have expected yeah I, I i think this is this is this is what this is the sort of card it was like that that was that was not a a pay-per-view main card worthy thing right there that that did not be- belong behind a paywall uh for for any reason all right let's see what else we got yeah sorry i didn't realize i was so tired yeah apologize um <clears throat> so alexis davis versus uh viviana Araju, um this was this was kind of a war of attrition right here. It was a matter of whether uh, Araujo's um, gas tank would last longer than Alexis Davis's chin. That was the story of this fight, and uh, looks like um, looks like it it improbably made it to a decision. Um, I thought that it would end up being a late finish by either one of them, just a matter of who was going to pit her out first and somehow or another, they both made it to the bell. I mean, Davis's face was battered up, was completely battered up. She was getting tagged at will. It was, it was pretty bad. I mean, and despite the fact that, you know, the commentary was selling how tired, um, o- a looked and stuff. I, I'm not quite sure that that was her just being tired necessarily. I think she took that second round off. Um, Granted, she picked a um, a dangerous way to do it. I, if my memory serves me correctly, did she not take Alexis Davis down, but then ended up reversing, getting uh, the position reversed, and ended up on bottom? Like, I wouldn't want to rest by trying to wrestle Alexis Davis. I, you know, the way she was out striking her, I'd rather just kind of stay on the bike. And while the movement might be tiring, I think she would have been good enough to just avoid anything uh, Davis was throwing at her. So, yeah, I'm um, yeah, Robin with you. Uh, Alexis Davis um, being cut would not be the worst thing in the world. The problem is, though, this is uh, a flyweight fight. Alexis Davis is a 125 er you don't have a lot of them. So I I anticipate they keep her around just for that, just because you need the bodies. Um, All right. um, Let's see. Akeem uh, Dawudu versus uh, Yoshinori uh, Hori. That was a fight. Oh, yes, that was a fight. This was what only the. Um, this was the second finish of the night. Two of uh, two of uh, one of three finishes of the, of the night, if I'm remembering correctly here. Um, Man, that would do is nice. <laughs> that dude is really nice. Um, It's always good to see a, a guy who's so new show patience and kind of get through some adversity and figure things out on the fly that is always good to see and whether or not he necessarily is thinking through this himself or it's his his coaching pointing out certain things and he goes out and executes whatever they told him to do it doesn't matter the ability to adjust on the fly is crucial at the highest levels of the game and that's something you typically do not see out of guys who are relatively new that's not typical to see him get dropped in that first round. Even if you want to question whether it was more of a, a balance thing or the, the power to see um get his, you know, he's throwing those naked leg kicks and he was getting, he was getting countered left and right, but to see him then adjust himself in that second round and start picking up momentum. And then the picture perfect setup for, uh for the finishing sequence what was nuts was absolutely nuts man I am I'm really looking forward to what Dawudu does next and now uh, I know part of the um uh part of the appeal uh to Dawudu has been you know the the African heritage and that's been a a consistent theme with Kamara Usman Israel Asanya and Francis Nganu, a couple other guys that were born in Africa or at least have um you know first generation immigrants with the parents being from Africa or whatever. And I'm not sure where he lies on. That. I'm not sure if if he came to Canada as a child or if uh, his parents came to uh, came to Canada and then he was born. I'm, I'm not I can't remember on, on that, uh, but I do know he was flying that Canadian flag in there. I do know he, in his post-fight speech, was talking about being the next Canadian star. Um, we should not be looking at Olivier Aubon-Mercier at this point. We should be looking at a guy like God would do. It's just case in point. Like, there's so much more upside there. And Featherweight is ripe. Ripe with names that you would love to see this man fight. You would love to see this man... Um, fight um i i'm not mad to see him you know this i know this deviates from the the classic joe silva uh winners versus winners losers versus losers i wouldn't be mad to see him uh, up against the mercer back next. i think that fight makes a lot of sense um so i do want to see uh dawadu take a a step up in competition i want to see what he has to offer for some of the um some of the rougher challenges lie ahead at Featherway. now I don't now and I say Bectic for a reason like I'm not uh I'm not trying to rush him that is not getting the next title shot uh D'Awardu doesn't need to be um challenging Max Holloway anytime soon or you know or 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 beating down you know Calvin Cater's door and like I, I that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is um a guy like Mursa Beckett who seems to have seems to have been struggling to keep his position in in the uh the featherweight rankings put him up against a guy like that and see what happens because even at this point if he loses it's not the end of the world It's got young enough uh, and new enough that he can just retool later on so I, I like that fight for him a lot uh cool breeze in the chest Name, please discuss uh Javante davis and nunez at the end of the show if possible i'm sorry cool breeze i did not watch uh the tank davis fight i, I did not watch that um, if you want to hear some boxing talk, uh, the two places to go to for this fight in particular, I know would be uh, mixed combat radio with my homie, Matt Hunter, uh, Matt Hunter MCR on Twitter and follow him. And then, uh, my homies, Kendrick and Matt Wells of the slip and dip podcast. Um, so those are the two places I would suggest you go, um, for, for that. Uh, I will be watching those fights tomorrow. So I won't be totally out of the loop, but tonight was all about UFC pay-per-view because I was scoring um, the fights live for sure So I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't have a second screen up with the boxing and then try to follow it all. It, it would have been a little bit too much for me. And also I was, I was writing at the same time too. So I, I, I couldn't divide my attention three ways. Uh, Rob bomb um, is suggesting W versus Alex Caceres next. That, Damn it, Rob, I like the way you think. That sounds good. Like that's the level that I'm talking about that would do should be fighting this because that would still be a step up in competition. Caseras, similar to Mercy Beckett, is a guy that people had some high hopes on, didn't quite pan out for one reason or another. And is kind of hangs around the the um the higher levels and can can uh go ahead and get down with a lot of those guys, but doesn't quite get over the hump. That makes sense to me um let's see here now i i tomaso i see you in the chat asking about some upcoming fights and i want to talk about some upcoming fights so please please re-ask me that uh in a little bit we're going to get through just the rest a little bit of this card i i'm not going to hang around on this long because there isn't a whole lot i really want to talk about on the prelims of this but there is a lot in the world of fights that I want to talk about and please if y'all have any questions about that garbage ass uh BJ Penn matchup drop them things because I'm ready to go off on that so yeah please please I want all that smoke all right let's um let's go talk about Gavin Tucker versus Sungwoo Choi um Tucker looked good man Tucker looked really good in this fight and I was happy to see that uh, last time we saw Gavin Tucker he was at the hands of a merciless beatdown uh, from rick glenn with cal cardinal you know officiating that one, he did an atrocious job that night to his credit he did a he did a much better job tonight he did a much better job tonight so i am i i salute to him he he made some good calls here um uh, for, for the evening but anyway um I, I i really did like that gavin tucker was healthy back on the ball got himself a finish, his first finish in the UFC, and that that Rick Glenn fight did not ruin him because that is the the sort of fight that can ruin a young prospect like that. Uh, Alejandro Pantoja and Davidson Figueredo, why, 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 why? Please someone tell me, why the fuck was this so low on the card? Please explain to me why a fight that is... Um, You know, upper echelon in the flyweight division. Now, keep in mind. Now it looks like they're keeping the flyweight division. They're they're signing guys. You know, they they just picked up a couple flyweights. They're you know, Dana White's talking about Cejudo defending uh, his belt against uh, Benavides, and and this is real. Looks like flyweight sticking around. If flyweight is sticking around, why are you putting these guys so low on the card when they're this high ranked? Please explain to me why. Christoph Jucko and Marc-Andre Barriut is on the main card of a pay-per-view and they are probably out of the top 20. Yet you're going to have, you know, what, what should be a number one contender fight between Pantoja and Figueiredo buried on the prelims. And yes, I know uh, the, the prelims were on ESPN. So yeah, that's... That's all fine and dandy. But a lot of times, let's keep in mind how stupid some people are. And I know I come back to this a lot. A lot of people are very stupid. If you tell them it's important and you show them it's important, they think it's important. When you see a fight between the the uh, number three and number four flyweight in, in the UFC, this low on the card, does it seem important to you? Does it seem important to you when... um it is the the curtain jerker for the televised prelims, and it is followed immediately by a, a prospect who was savagely beaten uh, about a year and a half ago. In Gavin Tucker, does that make any sense? I, I'm I'm really curious about. It. Does that make a bit of sense? You know, so if the UFC is actually committed to flyweight, be committed to it. Display these guys, show these guys. Wouldn't this have been a fantastic fight to lead into the pay-per-view or open the pay-per-view? The UFC knows what they're doing when they put these two together. This was gonna be an action fight. We all know this. Anyone worth, you know, half a half a grain of salt. You know, that calls themselves a fight fan or a fight expert or an analyst or a journalist or a media member. Or any, anybody who watches the UFC and knows anything about these fighters would tell you this was going to be a beautiful pairing. It did exactly what everyone thought it would do, yet you bury it there. So if Flyweight is actually going to stick around, treat it with the importance um that it deserves treat it like you're going to get fights like that because ever since this soul flyweight has been on the on the brink of extinction talk that we've we've had going on they have consistently delivered and that's not to say they weren't delivering before that they are consistently delivering yet you bury them if you make this you know, part of the pay-per-view card, or you make this higher up on the ESPN card, it feels more important to the casual fight fan because the casual fight fans know the important fights go last. There's a reason why nobody is there in the in the damn building for the prelims. There's a reason why, if you go to a major boxing match, no one gets there into the, into the co-main event. There's a reason why. So if you put it then... When there's no one around, how important is it really to you? So anyway, um, just briefly, Jillian Roberts uh, versus Sarah Frodo. Um, Jillian Robertson showed incredible work on the ground, uh, incredible composure and patience uh, and strategy to to one-up Frodo, who is a legit BJJ black belt, to one her up on the ground and get a tko finish uh shout out to her uh eric Coke and his welterweight debut defeats cal stewart i agree with one of the judges who scored at 30 27 uh the other two scored at 29 28 so yeah all right so no more recap of uh ufc 240 uh at least for the bottom fights anything else in particular you want to talk about just throw it in the chat uh and we'll just talk do some general fight talk and Rob, I see you as always calling for everyone who lost to be cut. My man, you are a savage. But I do agree some of some of these people do, should be cut. But yeah, you are, you are a savage trying to cut everybody. So let me scroll back up a little bit. Tommaso, uh Mark, I did not forget about you homie. Uh put in the in the chat. My thoughts on Jeremy Stevens versus Yair Rodriguez. Um I like that fight a lot. But why do I, I wasn't I thought it was a uh, i thought it was zombie am i tripping wasn't that wasn't that uh no 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 no. i think you're right you're right because it was let's see yaya rodriguez let's see yaya rodriguez is yes okay yeah jeremy stevens from mexico city i like it i like it the the fight itself sounds good but this is it's one of those other deviations from winners versus winners losers versus losers. I I tend to like the old Joe Silva model for matchmaking, even though I'll deviate from it myself sometimes. I just don't really see the point in deviating from it this time. I, I don't really see the point in it. Um like uh, Jeremy Stevens uh correct me if I'm wrong is he coming off of back to back losses is, is am, am I correct in that he lost the um uh, Zabit, uh the the fight and let's see here let me look this up No, you know i was at the Zabit beat fight so i definitely remember that and what did he yeah although before that yeah so he's lost two in a row um it just it doesn't make a lot of sense in that in in that regard to have a, a prospect like rodriguez um to fight a guy who's on a two fight losing streak. Even if that guy is Jeremy Stevens from an action perspective, I like the fight from an action perspective. I really do like that fight. Um, but you know, because if Stevens T- Stevens wins, then, then what do you do with Yair? Like does Stevens move anywhere near the title picture? No. I, so, so kind of what's the point? i like, really? What? What's the point of that one? Um. Yeah, I, I, I say they probably should have just done the um, the Zabit versus uh versus Yair fight. That that's the, just just get that one out the way. And um, I know we're you know we talk about killing contenders off a lot of times, but I think that one makes a lot of sense uh, because the guy who wins that gets gets a little closer to to Max. I mean, we got Volkanovski next for Max, so. Um, so he's occupied, he's gonna be occupied in that. Um, yeah, that that just and um and, you know, and you still you got Calvin Cater who needs a guy. Um, yeah, Jeremy Stevens just and, and Yari Rodriguez just doesn't make all the sense in the world to me. Um for, for that reason. But the action of the fight should be interesting. I'm also curious that fight being in Mexico City, and I believe it's the main event too. I, I believe that's a main event, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if not, it, it's an appropriate main event uh, with Yair being the the guy they want to be the Mexican star in Mexico City. So uh, but fighting in Mexico City, especially when we're talking about a five rounder, is always going to be something that's always going to be a very, um, a very interesting one right there because the pollution, because the elevation. Nobody really wants that Mexico City fight. Let's put it that way. Uh Tommaso saying I see uh, Ortega versus a zombie happening. That is a pairing I like. I like that pairing a lot too. Um that one makes sense. I know Ortega is coming off his loss, but he's he had such a good run that yeah, that make that that makes sense to put him in there um with with a with with the guy on the rise like zombie, and it wasn't that long ago that zombie got knocked out so. They're, they're not too dissimilar as far as their trajectories at the moment. So why not? Um, I was also saying, Joss Emmett wants Aldo at Madison Square Garden. Um, I guess he said this in an interview with my man, James Lynch. So shout out to James Lynch of The Score. Always putting out good work. Always has a rack of interviews. Um, so definitely check out his work as well. Um, Emmett and Aldo, I like that. I like that a lot. Too. that that was that's a good one from a style perspective too that should be very very interesting yeah all those loss against Volkanoski wasn't the worst thing in the world and I know once again a deviation from winners and winners losers and losers but eh, yeah I'm not too mad at that uh, Calvin Cater versus a beat yeah I mean that that is one of the cool things about featherweight you can kind of mix and match these guys and I know I've said this before featherweight is one of those divisions like welterweight like lightweight where you can you just kind of pick and choose who and you can just throw their names in the hat and pull out two randomly and it's probably going to be a good fight um so that so that's a good one all right so let's see what else uh we got here uh mma on point in the chat i will assume that it is uh my man jason jason hartley i will assume it's you jason uh who is manning the uh the company account right now uh agreeing with me about my rant of flyweights being buried on the card also suggesting that bagel boss could make flyweight please explain to me why this clown bagel boss seems to always there's always this representation of idiocy lunacy um stupidity and, and just buffoonery that finds its way in mixed martial arts why is it when some random dumbass who probably isn't worth the, the 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 effort it takes to type his name seems to always get welcomed with open arms into our sport. Why? When Jose Canseco is the laughing stock of, of of sports, you know, come on, take this MMA fight. <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm I'm consistently amazed that the malcontents, the rejects, the fuck-ups the goofballs um, and the losers of society seem to always find a home in mixed martial arts. And I know the fight world is filled with a bunch of malcontents, a bunch of maniacs, a bunch of a bunch of losers and everything else, a bunch of crazy people, essentially. But I mean, is, is there a limit to this? This moron went into a bagel shop and went on a rant about how girls on dating apps reject him and got in the face of a guy who was like six four, and then was crying bloody murder when he got tackled, and held down. <laughs> you know, and then there's also going on to say like, yeah, if I get mad at a black guy, I'll use the n word. Like, these 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 are the fucking clowns that we seem to welcome with open arms in the sport. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. um That being said if if they if man at this point it honestly wouldn't surprise me if somebody signed him to a contract and he went and actually had a fight it wouldn't shock me one bit we've seen a lot of stupid things that would just be the next in the line um all right so what else would I, okay uh jason denying that it's not him uh saying it's never me I'm, i know it's not you jason i know all right um Rob, I'm insane. Looking forward to Covington versus Lawler next weekend. Covington versus Lawler does sound like a very interesting fight. Now, I am not sure if I will be able to do a broadcast for that because as you guys know, I have a pregnant wife. Uh, We are having our gender reveal party next weekend. Um, The one time there's an early UFC that could be done all this stuff early and I'll be out doing husband duties. So i uh probably will not be able to do one of these but i'm more than willing to do one uh when i get back home or uh the next morning so tweet me at ant walker mma we'll talk just let me know what time you guys prefer and i'll try my best to make that happen uh now let's see here um the covington lawler fight does sound very interesting and i'm kind of of different minds in this i find it very possible that covington goes for that shot like Ben Askren did. Uh, Lawler shrugs it off, dumps him on his head and pounds his face into the canvas. That is so possible. But at the same time, Covington puts on such a pace that you, you, you have to be concerned about that. Um, we saw the pace of RDA stop robbie lawler in his tracks and completely nullify everything he did covington has that ability covington did that to dos angles himself so he definitely has the ability to do that i i think it's going to be more so about who makes the first mistake if covington comes in sloppy he's getting cracked if lawler um has a lapse in concentration even for a split second covington gets a hold of him and makes him miserable for an extended period of time. Uh, Tomaso saying, "I feel like if Kobe makes it out the first round, he could grind on a win. Lawler is dangerous in rounds one, four, and five, and he generally takes two and three off. Uh, Kobe fights recklessly on the feet. It makes sense. Like we're also talking about Kobe coming to who got outboxed by Damian Maya in the first round of their fight. You got outboxed by Damien Maya. Not a good look." But if he survives, if he is able to survive, that's when Covington does what he does. If he's able to endure that onslaught or just nullify it, jam him up to where he can't really extend those punches, just get in his face and be careful about getting in his face. That that's where he can he he can ex, uh, excel because it really I think if the if he does that for a round. I think it just snowballs. I think it just avalanches. I, I think it it, it it like reminds me of the um the Woodley and Usman fight. Where Usman was able to just pounce on Woodley pretty quickly, and Woodley never got out of that first gear. He was never allowed to because Usman was in his face the entire time. That is what Kobe Cummings can can do to Robbie Lawler. Um let's see. I'd rather see Tomas was and I'd rather. CM Punk versus Cub Swanson, then the Bagel Boss versus a Flyweight. Yeah, I'd rather a lot of things other than the existence of Bagel Boss. What a what a fucking clown. But anyway, um, let's see here. Thoughts on Fedor versus Rampage. Uh, yeah, this is the supposed to be the Bellator Rising co-promoted event for New Year's Eve, and that's an appropriate main event for that sort of spectacle. I mean, I'm okay with it, I guess. Like, if we're going to keep dragging uh fedor's corpse out there to uh to to do some fights and and if rampage pretends to care enough to just show up for the fight fine it's fine you know of course this fight would have been a massive deal if this were say 10 years ago but it's 2019 like whatever we'll watch it you know be fun that's that's kind of it I, i don't expect much out of it you know if if we're putting Fedor gets some sort of young heavyweight prospects or something then we got a problem. But Rampage Fedor is an appropriate level of competition for both of them at this point. Uh do you have picks for the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix on is Borix? Borix is definitely a sleeper pick uh, of the Grand Prix. Um I'm I'm kind of feeling AJ McKee on this one. I'm really feeling AJ McKee on this one. I, it just seeing the the improvements with him like AJ McKee is what the way they built up AJ McKee is what they should have did with Aaron Pico who of course friends and training partners or his former training partners still friends at least from what uh, McKee tells me so I do like that um I, I do like that they brought him along pretty slowly I mean the Pat Curran fight was like okay the the first like oh this is a real name this guy's fighting and Uh, granted he didn't smash him but he did very well um and he showed him he showed himself able to adjust on the fly something very important for the younger guys to be able to do and he did that Passed that test with flying color so um what's his fight in the his first fight in the grand prix is that uh georgie kakarian i think georgie kakarian is a tough dude too that's a really tough guy so i do want um i do want to see what what aj mckee looks like in this tournament and i think he's he probably will be my favorite to um to at least make it to the finals i don't know about getting past pitbull but but even if he did wouldn't shock me too much it wouldn't shock the hell out of me uh so Tommaso saying i appreciate the honesty about fedor and rampage very true if you break great fire for two minutes and they'll both get tired exactly i uh, would not be um too ecstatic to see the the championship rounds in that one. Um, also asking, do you see? Do I see Juan Archuleta getting the upset over Pitbull? From a skill perspective, not really. But what I do see though is I see Pitbull distracted with everyone else in the damn tournament. I was at that that media day in LA, man, where like the whole room was challenging Pitbull. Darian Caldwell. Uh getting into a shouting match match with him. AJ McKee decides excuse me, to jump in it as well. AJ McKee, of course, uh, product of the body shop in I believe that's in Lakewood or Long Beach. Um, product of that team, and like that whole team is in the building, and they're you know, shouting all sorts of stuff at Pitbull, and Pitbull is standing there ready to fight the entire room. And uh poor Esther Lynn and Amy Kaplan you know, uh, long-time MMA photographers. They're trying to get shots, but they're trying to get out the way because it looks like it's about to be a brawl in there. And the the poor staff in Morton Steakhouse in Burbank look petrified because they didn't know how to handle a room full of MMA fighters. Uh, so I think things like that can be distracting. Things like that can take your focus off of the task at hand. And not to say that Pitbull has problems with focus necessarily, but he's an emotional guy. He's a very emotional guy an emotional guy can take their eye off the ball if something else is grinding their gears in a scenario like that archuleta could do something but 100 focus archuleta versus 100 focus pitbull i i gotta go with pitbull on that um also asking um who should leon edwards fight next i'd like to see him versus woodley i've been calling for woodley versus leon edwards since woodley dropped the belt to usman i've been calling that for that for quite some time uh rob saying give edwards masvidal no do not if you are Jorge masvidal that is the dumbest fight to take that is a huge risk for uh for george ma uh, masvidal considering the star power that he has built up with the knockout over darren teal piecing up Leon Edwards backstage at that event, and then the flying knee on Ben Aspirin. Masvidal is at an all-time high popularity-wise. They, you know, high, extremely high ranking. I don't remember him being this close to a title shot since, I mean, we well, had the, the strike force title shot against Melendez, but since being in the UFC, what, maybe, I guess, I guess it was like 2017 when he lost to Damian Maya. And then my end up getting the shot against Woodley. So if you're all, don't mess up this opportunity by fighting a guy you don't have to fight. Uh so it just that that one doesn't make sense to me. That's more so now the fight itself would be very good. It would be an entertaining fight. But if you're Jorge Mastodol, you have no business in that fight. You have no business there. Like that's just it's just not smart to take that one. Um that's no, also agreeing with me um and Rob Sam Covington wins he gets the next shot yes he should have gotten the next shot uh when till he should have got the shot when Till got the shot he should have got the shot when Usman got it like it doesn't it doesn't make sense that, and 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 screw everyone uh that made these decisions for having me defend the honor of Colby Covington but he should have been had his title shot I see Walt Harris versus Overeem uh yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with that and that's that's a tricky one for Harris. That's a really tricky one for Harris. Harris um definitely hits hard enough to put over him out. But man, he can get reckless sometimes. He can get reckless. And Overeem is a guy if you get reckless on him, he will make you pay and Overeem since his chin issues have been glaringly obvious to to the rest of the heavyweight division, he's uh, Noticeably cleaned up uh, his style and made himself a lot less risk adverse. And that type of Overeem poses a very, very, very tough challenge for Walt Harris. Uh, Rob Iman also pointing out Darren Till is now hitting up to uh, 185. I believe earlier you suggested that Judco be the guy to welcome him, him there. Yeah, that, I guess that makes sense, too. That It's kind of like when, yeah, I'm not mad at that. Um, JDS versus Curtis Blades. That makes sense to me uh that makes sense i guess um yeah heavyweight is kind of a, a free for all now um, with with the the looming presence of francis Nganu, it's it's kind of um it, it's kind of a no man's land right now a- until we see what happens with uh Daniel versus stepe i don't really think any big moves are going to be made at, at at heavyweight all right so I'm obviously very sleepy. I do have some writing I need to do. And it has been a long day. So I'm going to wrap this up. So go ahead, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell your friend to tell 10 friends. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at AntWalkerMMA. It's also my Instagram. So I got Good, Bad, and the Ugly, the post fight column. That should be going live on Sherdog tomorrow. Ask Ant. My mailbag column, it should be live today. If not, maybe they're they're going to uh, put it out tomorrow, but typically it comes out on Saturdays. Uh, I turned that in yesterday afternoon, so it should be live. Uh, if not, look for that very soon. Uh, what else I got coming up? Uh, off the Chain, the SureDog panel discussion show, that will be the new episode of that will be uh, premiering at noon West Coast time, Tuesday afternoon. So go ahead and check that out. Replays, of course, will be available. We're also going to be simulcasting that on Facebook. So go to the suredog.com Facebook page uh, and check that one as well. Let's see what else is coming up. Um, I don't know what else is coming up. I think, oh yeah, my MMA on point stuff. I turned in um, a few scripts lately for MMA on point. I got one I got to write tomorrow too. So I've got a fair amount of videos that should be in the queue for MMA on point. So Go ahead and stay tuned to that YouTube channel as well. You can also find the links to uh, my MMA on Point on uh, videos, my Sherdog videos, and when I also on uh, different playlists on this channel on the Walkout Network. So if you haven't already subscribed, please do so, um, and we can keep up the fight talk. So um, I'm gonna scan these uh, the chat for just a little bit before we get up out of here. David Dirks, what's up, David? Asking what's next for Holloway. It's obviously Volkanovsky. No one else makes sense right now. It's gotta be Volkanovsky. Oh, and before before we even go about that, let's talk about Volkanovsky's 37 hour journey from Australia to Edmonton uh, to be a backup. How ridiculous was this? So this man took, um, he drove from like Sydney to Melbourne or vice versa took a flight to Seattle, I think. And then a flight from Seattle to somewhere in Canada. Then he drove from there to Edmonton. And and the whole time I'm just thinking, doesn't the UFC have a private jet? So go figure, go figure. But I did want to leave you guys with that one. Um Oh, uh, Tomaso, saying, have a good one. Congrats on the kid, hope everything is good. Thank you, Tommaso. Uh, baby and mother are doing quite well right, right now. Baby is growing, the stomach is showing. It is a surreal experience. I'm terrified. Uh, so there's that. Um, let's see, what else? I'll stay cool on the West Coast tomorrow. It is hot as hell here. That's why you might hear my fan. You might hear traffic outside because I got the windows open. It is too hot to do any sort of broadcast. Um, Just baking in an oven. So um, background noise be damned. Windows are open. Fan is on. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Pierce Hobb in the chat saying all champions are looking trash except Amanda. Oh, my God. What are you watching? Did you not see Max Holloway uh, do what he did today? Are you not anticipating Rob Whitaker versus Israel to Pierce? Come on. Do better, my man. Do better, my man. The champions are looking like champions out here. Okay, everyone. So you know what to do. Like, subscribe, share. Follow me on Twitter at AntWalkerMMA. Check out the work on Schroeder.com. Check out the work on MMA On Point. And please stay beautiful. Stay positive. And through it all, you must stay sexy. I will see you when I see you. Peace.